Hi, I'm Sophia. And I'm Jen. And welcome to Every Rom-Com, the podcast where we have fun taking romantic comedies seriously. Today on Every Rom-Com, we'll take a trip down memory lane to 1999. Visit some of Seattle's most unique sites. And discuss the Shakespeare modernization which launched Heath Ledger's career, the teen rom-com classic, 10 Things I Hate About You. Sophia. Hey, Jen. How's it going today? Did you get any snow in Minneapolis, St. Paul? Uh, a couple days ago, but nothing yeah. new. So that's nice. Yeah, we are covered in snow here. Oh, so. that, that could be okay. <laughs> I could not take my normal walk, but I did um, YouTube aerobics videos instead, which is my one of my quarantine secrets. I did this before. I did this before quarantine too. But like I just go on YouTube and compile different uh, fun songs I like and aerobic routines that go with them. So nice. That's where, that's where I get my exercise. <laughs> Very good. I found a few things on YouTube as well. I got a run in on my treadmill, so that oh, was nice. great. Just today, I'm very happy about it. Yeah, this is how we keep saying other than podcasting. For sure. For sure. <laughs> well, today we're moving into Shakespeare. Just really quickly, like. Like, what's your favorite Shakespeare play, if you have one, Sophia? I have kind of a an affinity for Romeo and Juliet. I got to do um, like a condensed reading of it, all female cast, and that was a lot of fun. So I'm like, that's mine. I love that one. <laughs> but like, um, you know, I like most of them. Most of them. Let's put it that way. How about yeah, you? <laughs> mine, mine is The Tempest. I've never, oh. like, I've directed a few Shakespeare plays. I never directed The Tempest, mostly because I set my expectations for myself too high. But maybe someday I will yet get around to it. So we're not doing a Romeo and Juliet modernization or a Tempest modernization today. Instead, we're going to be focusing on A Taming of the Shrew modernization. Um, before we get into that, we should remind you about some things about the podcast. Uh, you can always visit the podcast at everyromcom.com. And if you want to email us with some suggestions or feedback or just questions you have, you can email us at feedback at everyromcom.com. Um, oh, and we will have a spoiler-free section on every episode at the top of the episode. So if you haven't seen the movie, but you still want to hear what we think about it, you can quit listening while we tell you that spoilers have come in. We're going to be doing next week one more in our series of literary modernizations. This time, She's the Man, which is a modernization of Twelfth Night. So without further ado, let's get into 10 Things I Hate About You. Bianca Stratford is the most popular girl at Padua High. You're asking me out? I'm down. I've got the 411. And you are not going out and getting jiggy with some boy. I don't care how dope his ride is. Her sister, Kat is something else entirely. People perceive you as somewhat tempestuous. Heinous witch is the term used most often. The only thing they have in common... I am the only girl in school who's not dating. Oh, no, you're not. Your sister doesn't date. ...is one simple rule. Okay, you can date when she does. But she's a mutant. What if she never dates? And you'll never date. Oh, I like that. For Cameron, no one will go out with her. It's a problem. And what about him? 
I heard he ate a live duck once. So you two are going to help me tame the wild beast? Absolutely. Touchstone Pictures presents a story for every guy who's ever tried. You never give up, do you? Was that a yes? No. Well, then was that a no? No. Every girl who's ever hoped. This is not good. And anyone who's ever been taken completely by surprise. She kissed me. Where? In the car. Ten things I hate about you. <laughs> Love the trailer. Love the trailer. Some that of the tra- movies we Yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, that trailer voice that, you know. Yeah. Cat Stratford. some of the movies we've done for the podcast i've watched them the two times i watched them to prepare and then i'm kind of done with them for a while this one i could seriously rewatch again tomorrow so very excited yeah so this is as we said a the taming of the shrew modernization and it came out in march 31st 1999 and the matrix came out just the week before that 1999 was a pretty cool year it was a great year in fact there is a book that I have in my um, Amazon wishlist queue called Best Movie Year Ever. How 1999 blew up the big screen. I It's in my queue. I want it. It just sounds like, yeah, those were great. It was a good year for film. Fight Club, the Office Space. Oh, Oh, I love Office Space. Oh, my God. I really hope you get it. And when you get it, I hope you um, maybe do a little review for us either here on the podcast or maybe in the blog. Oh, like, okay. Sure. About it. What is, how did you feel about the 10 things I hate about you when it came out or shortly after it came out? Um, I liked it a lot. I had it on DVD and um, I lent it to a friend and who kept it forever. And so um, that's how much she liked it too. And you, <laughs> she did you sit it forever? The, <laughs> forever. Terrible. Um, that's okay. It happens. Um, yeah. Did you see it in the theater? I did see it in the theater because I saw basically everything in the theater. Like I probably got overshadowed for me by, you know, the matrix and fight club, but okay. yeah, I, I, I always liked going to rom-coms and teen rom-coms especially. Yeah. And had you previously, before you saw 10 things I hate about you seen or read the taming of the shrew? Because I hadn't. I had seen, um, at some point in high school, the Elizabeth Taylor, Tim Burton version. Tim, um, not, not Tim Burton. Tim Burton. I did it again. Um, Richard. <laughs> you know what? I want Tim Burton to make some kind of a Shakespeare adaptation. That would be really awesome. Tim, if you're out there. Um, I saw so that. So previously seen the Elizabeth Taylor, Richard Burton one. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> How do you feel it compares to The Taming of the Shrew as an experience? Ten Things I Hate About You? Yeah. Okay. Well, it depends. Like the Elizabeth Taylor version, they make it out like a comedy. Um, I got to see um, a performance of it, a stage performance of it when we lived in Brooklyn. And they did it, I guess, literally. Like um, it was it was kind of brutal because Patricio essentially abuses Catherine and and it was really like just very disturbing to watch and yeah. I was like this isn't funny at all <laughs> there's no romance here this is terrible it's, it's so um but in, gen- in general would you rather watch 10 things I hate about you or would you rather watch like any type of adapta- adaptation of the, oh, of yeah, the totally 10 things for kind of- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I'm, I'm the, I'm the same, even though I think it's an interesting play and I've considered, you know, directing it because it has fair, a fair amount of either female roles or roles you can do gender neutral very easily. Uh-huh. Like even because, yeah, but I, but I don't think I'd really want to watch it that much. So maybe it's a good reason not to direct it. Yeah. <laughs> no. So how about did 10 things age well, in your opinion? Oh, without going too in depth. Yeah. Cause we're, we're going to cover that. Sure. Um, Okay, well, like compared to Clueless, where like that whole like um, teenagey scene didn't age well with me, I didn't even like it so much when it came out back in the day. This one was was fun for me, I guess. I'm like, oh, that's funny. Oh, oh, yeah, I remember that song. I really, I still listen to that song. So, um, how about you? Oh, I love it so much more now. It's weird. Oh, it's, I think okay. I think it's partly because. Um, it's partly because of Heath Ledger and just appreciating his talent. And there's so few films that we have of his talent. So that's part of it, but just like, it's fun. It's the language is realistic. Like what teenagers actually speak like. And a lot of times these days, language has been so for better or for worse, been very sanitized. So that like Mm. a lot of times Mm. it just doesn't feel real anymore to me. It feels like it's just like Sesame street version of high school movies. (laughs) really yeah yeah if nobody ever says anything offensive in a teen movie it does not seem real to me because people said a lot of offensive things to me personally when I was a teenager and like it's it's just how people talk and like yeah I don't need things to be up for me give me do you have a like a modern teenage a modern one um because these are ancient but like a recent one the modern that reflects the sanitized sort of thing yeah 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 like something like Love Simon, which like I think it's really great to have LGBT representation. I think it's really great that gay youth can have a movie where everyone's happy and nice to gay people in general in the movie. But people were so accepting of the gay character in that movie that it seemed like false to me. Uh, like to a certain, I, I want to actually do a whole episode at one point and contrast like Love Simon with like Alex Strangelove, the Netflix movie, because. Okay. Yeah. It kind of shows you one version of the coming out story is very like, everything's a dream. And the other version is more like, yeah, that's more like what it would be like. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Warts and all. I just, I'm okay with warts and all. Like Heathers. I love that. That's my jam. So. Okay. Interesting. And 10 things doesn't pull punches on that level either. I don't think it's like, yeah, people are saying terrible things to each other. Yeah. That's what teenagers do. Okay. At least that's what you, maybe teenagers are all perfect these days. I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> I, I doubt it. <laughs> if adults are any indication, I doubt it. But. Okay, probably not. But maybe we can. This can come up later. As far because I made a comment about like I, a lot of their, I guess, language toward each other was very jarring for me. I'm like, people don't talk that way yeah. anymore, and yeah, it's like, not acceptable using- anymore. Yeah. Um, so people using terms to describe like you know you know, insults that are coded with like disability or yeah. mental illness. Yes. Like, are, yeah. Like, but people still say those things is the, is the thing they do like in reality, okay. like maybe, maybe not in certain circles, but okay. like, yeah, like, yeah, it happens. Well, I mean, I know that there's definitely like mean girls vibe for my niece who's in fifth grade. So like that, somehow that shit never goes away. Like really? Yeah. Like, People and they're people. 10 like gosh yeah. they're not even in their teens give them a chance so anyway yeah. let's see would you recommend even despite kind of the the jarring language what is this a film you would recommend to someone at this time um golly 
I was thinking it'd be fun to watch this with my daughter. I'm like, no, I don't want to watch this now, but she's only seven. Would I recommend it to my 14-year-old niece? I don't know. It just might be dated for her. I don't, I don't know. know. Judging, judging by the amount of YouTube fan videos I saw for this movie, like I think it's probably not. I think people still like this movie. Okay. Uh, just when you go on YouTube and there's a ton of like shipper videos or fan videos for a movie, it's usually a good indication that it still has some pull. I mean, YouTube's not the the most youth oriented channel. Like I'm not on TikTok. I don't know, but like, yeah, I think <laughs> it would still work. Okay. And it's also it almost counts as retro now. So. If Okay. All right. I'd be like, hey, honey, do you want to watch this retro flick? My my fourteen year old niece. I don't know. Yeah. Wonder which. So anyway, as we said, this um is based on Taming of the Shrew, and let let's let's talk a little bit about the plot. All righty. Okay. Here we go. So Cat and Bianca Stratford. There's a, there's a, a fun like Shakespeare thing they put in there. They're sisters and their father won't let younger sister Bianca date unless Kat is dating. And this is the same premise basically of the Taming of the Shrew, except in the Taming of the Shrew, it's marriage. Um, the father won't let the youngest daughter marry until the older daughter is married. But Kat doesn't want to date. She is considered a shrew slash bitch. Yeah. And this is the same in The Taming of the Shrew. Obviously, it's in the title of the play. She gets even in the play, she even gets quite violent. I guess she breaks like a lute over someone's head at one point. <laughs> <laughs> a lute. Um, several men are interested, several guys are interested in Bianca. Cameron, the new kid, and Joey, a male model who's very much a jerk. Um, <laughs> Bianca likes Joey initially because he's Mr. Popular. Yeah. And Go ahead. Yeah, in the in the play, so Bianca also has several like suitors in the play. In this case, she likes the Cameron equivalent character like right away. His name is Lucentio. But um, you know, her father's considering several offers because he's trying to get like the most money, you know, the best match. So yeah. Oh yay. Cameron's friend uh Michael comes up with a plan. They will convince Joey to pay someone to date Kat. So Cameron can date Bianca. And it's a lot easier to follow when you watch the movie. Yeah. For, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Shakespeare plots get so convoluted and this is even a simpler version of the Shakespeare plot. There's even more weird shit going on in there. Like um, it's basically the same premise of the play where people are paying someone to, you know, or not, they're not paying or they just, no, they just find a fortune hunter hunter. That's right. They're not actually paying yeah. Petruchio to date cat. They're just telling him cat has a lot of money. You should marry her. You're a fortune hunter go for it. And they pick like this kind of like adventurous wild kind of guy, which is the same in 10 things. Yep. Uh, and so in 10 things, they pick Patrick Verona. That's Heath Ledger um, because rumors about him um, that he's crazy and fearless. And well, that's his reputation. That's how somehow yeah. he got that. There's like all weird rumors about him. Like, like he ate a whole, he ate a live duck. He got his liver removed or something, like all kinds of random things. Right. <laughs> okay. So uh, let's see. The characters are quite different. Patrick and Petruchio. Petruchio is, as Sophia alluded to, um, Petruchio is basically abusing Katerina in tame, The Taming of the Shrew. He's not letting her eat. He's not letting her sleep. He f- basically forces her into marriage by like telling her father she's consented when she hasn't. 
And like he eventually gets her to say all kinds of things like the moon is the sun, Mm -hmm. you know, and until she's basically just she'll do whatever. But Patrick is not like that, as we find out in the film. He's actually a really, really nice fella. And he actually kind of tries to win her over as opposed to like, yeah. I mean, because it's modern times. <laughs> if this was a movie where the guy like kidnapped the girl and didn't let her eat, it would not be a romantic comedy. Nope. <laughs> so let's see. There've been a ton of taming of the taming of the shrew adaptations. Um, I watched a little bit of the 1929 Mary Pickford Douglas Fairbanks one. Kind of weird, to be honest. And you'd seen a couple of the others. Yeah, um, I got to see Kiss Me Kate on Broadway, the Cole Porter musical. I got mm-hmm. to see, you know, I watched the Elizabeth Taylor, Richard Burton version. Yeah. And the 2009 uh, uh, yeah. TV adaptation. And then there's also a 2003 movie, which is loosely based on it, called Deliver Us from Eva. And fun fact, um, Gabrielle Union is the star in that version. And she also appears in a minor role in the 10 Things I Hate About You. So she's been in two versions. So um, 10 Things I Hate About You is directed by Gil Junger. Um, he's not a super famous director. He was a TV director basically before he did 10 Things. I think he's mostly gone back to TV directing since. He did try to do a, mo- a movie called 10 Things I Hate About Life, which had a really odd plot, like uh, two people who are wanting to kill themselves meet each meet each other like in the middle of planning their suicide attempts and fall in love. I'm like, it could have potential, but it could also be really odd. Yeah. Did not get finished. Um, but I thought some of the things he added to the film, apparently, according to the writers, was he added some of the physical comedy elements, like little sight gags that are you'll see in the background, like somebody getting hit, the gym teacher getting hit by an arrow and the like kind of motorcycle going down the hill scene. And then also he really felt he wanted to not condescend to teenagers and he wanted to make it look at it as a relationship film, not just a teen film. And I really think that comes through in the directing. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. I suppose that's why it was so good and I liked it so much. So let's see. So the writers are Kirsten Smith and Karen McCullough. They were inspired by Clueless um, to modernize literature for teen rom-com. Kirsten Smith was a poet, um, really into indie girl rock and wanted a, a bit harder edged music. Do you yeah, think that she came was through? like, uh, no, no, she, it didn't come through. Like she wanted um, like Bikini Kill or the Raincoats, like the stuff that's actually referenced in the script. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, which I listened to some of it. Like I didn't really listen to that music at the time, but I kind of knew that it was a little harder edge, but like I listened to some of it and I'm like, yeah, it would have been a different movie for okay, sure. Okay, interesting. Yeah. So uh, Smith and McCullough um, wrote Legally Blonde, She's the Man, The House Bunny, Ella Enchanted, The Ugly Truth, and they did um, the 10 Things I Hate About You TV show. That's a lot of good stuff. Legally Blonde, hey? Yeah, and they're working, I guess, on Legally Blonde 3 right now, which I don't know. I don't know about that. Yeah, same. Don't know about that. But I feel like this is a world of like reboot, you know, like, hey, that worked. Well, I'm sure it's like more of a sequel, at least in this case. They'll probably just have Reese Witherspoon still in it. So, do you think you know. so? I oh, I'm, I bet. Like, how could you do it without her? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, now I'm interested. I'm interested. <laughs> well, okay. I can't. Don't trust me on that. But like, I just I'm assuming that that would be the case anyway. Okay, so yeah, this movie has a really great cast, but we are not going to try to talk about every single person in the cast. We're going to do some highlights of some of the people who were 
got their breakout roles in this and people who went on to be big stars. Uh, well, first is Julia Stiles. 10 Things was her breakout role. She was 17, I think we said. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And she said she really appreciated this character. And <laughs> I remember hearing something she called her like just really feisty. And um, she, uh, Julia Stiles said that she also argued with her own English teacher about Taming of the Shrew, which that's <laughs> fantastic. And she did some other teen movies, teen romance, Down to You, Save the Last Dance, and The Prince and Me, which is one of my faves. Nice. Um, and maybe we're going to feature that at some point. Yeah, um, yeah. She did other, there were, the Shakespeare adaptation as a teen youth film was kind of hot right now. And she was also in O, that's based on Othello, and Hamlet. Yeah, Um, I saw O, but I never saw the Hamlet. It was with like Ethan Hawke, but I didn't see it. So maybe someday. Unfortunately. Oh, and she's in the Born Identity films, which we really enjoy in our house. You've never seen. No, I've just... Somehow not. I don't know. Do you just <laughs> off topic? Do you like like those espionage? Not really. To up, be honest, you know, not really. I've only seen one of the Mission Impossible's, and that was enough for me. It's just like I don't. know. I like older ones sometimes, like from the '60s or something. But okay. like, yeah, it's okay. not my jam. I hear you. I like yeah. them. I like that. I like. Yeah. Um, and recently she was the reporter in hustlers now you had seen hustlers which i love yeah i love hustlers i gotta watch that again at some point can you remind me tell me what that's about who's in it so it's about a group of strippers who ended up like conning men out of money and it stars jennifer lopez and constance Wu. and it's really it's like almost all women in the movie and it's i believe a female director if i'm not mistaken so it's really good stuff okay cool and then the second breakout actor is Heath Ledger. And Heath Ledger, man, nobody needs to tell you how great he is, obviously. But yeah. he had only moved, he was born in Australia, and he'd only moved to the U.S. in 1998 to pursue acting. So I believe that this may have been his first U.S. feature, I believe it was, in 1999. And he was the, the director, Gil Junger, like immediately recognized his star, star power he said, you just, you have to cast him. He is going to break out big. And he was right. <laughs> and um, following 10 things, he did parts in A Knight's Tale. And he had a role in The Patriot as Mel Gibson's son. He was, he's was he been really good in everything he's in. I actually went and watched Brokeback Mountain yesterday because I couldn't resist. And my God, I was depressed for like two hours after watching it. But oh. he, is, he is so much better in that movie than I even remembered. His acting is so... Mm-hmm amazing mm. like if i hadn't been like purposely noticing his acting i wouldn't have noticed it at all you know you know what i mean yeah it's yeah, like, yeah yeah he's, mm-hmm. he's so good and then of course he is very well known for playing the joker in the dark knight which he received a posthumous academy award for yeah. and yeah sadly heath ledger died in january of 2008 he was only 28 years old and it was from an accidental overdose of medication like he was taking medications he shouldn't have been taking together and i guess he had been kind of sick on his last role in the imaginarium of dr parnassus anyway Uh, really sad that was that was probably hard you know (sighs) as i was watching 10 things i was like oh man and i 28 is just yeah so young um i'll also put in there one of my uh films that i really enjoy that he is in is lords of dogtown which is you know, about the skateboarding scene in the seventies in California. And 
it's a fun, it's a great flick. I really enjoy it. Well, I could do with a Heath Ledger film fest at this point, so I might have oh, to. Oh, I highly recommend. And I feel like even though he's portraying a real person, like, because it's, it's about these young kids, you know, these teenagers who were competitive um, skateboarders and they're legends and all that. Uh, I still felt like I saw um, glimpses of what would be the Joker. So actually go watch huh? it and tell me what you think. Wild. <laughs> Your okay, assignment. Cool. <laughs> Our next big name, I think, wasn't he Joseph Gordon-Levitt was probably the biggest name attached to this piece. Um, at the time, yeah. Of the time. And he has, he's been acting forever. Um, I guess his first credit was at the age of seven. And he um, had, I think he just was coming off of um, Third Rock from the Sun. It may have even been ongoing. I don't know. I never watched that show. so I, don't I didn't know. either. I did see recently uh, one of those actors talking about their greatest roles thing on like YouTube or Facebook or something. And he, you know, he was saying like he was ready to be, you know, a serious actor and he was reluctant to do this teen movie and it's you know one of the most famous thing you know things he's famous for people come up like 10 things was my favorite so he did it reluctantly but you know he appreciates you know it's it's kind of place in film and things like that so um other movies that we would know him from inception 500 days of summer which is fantastic um looper and you and i both get just Find this very commendable. He wrote, directed, and starred in Don John with Julia mm. Juliana Moore and Scarlett Johansson. And you saw yeah, it, I love, yeah? I love that movie. Like, I really wish I'd watched it a couple more times. Actually, like, yeah, yeah, like I will watch it again in the future. It's, it's, yeah, it's just, it's a very. I think people might disagree about it, but I found it to be a very feminist message in the film. So, well, yeah. aren't we talking about like premise wise, like his main character is like, so it's his, a movie that yeah. it, it's a movie that deals with um, the way people approach sexuality. And on the one hand, men over consuming porn. And on the other hand, women over consuming rom- romantic comedies. Romantic comedies. Right. It'd be really interesting to cover right. it for the show because it's like vaguely a romantic comedy, but it's very critical of yeah. romantic comedies. So, and yeah, and then Julianne Moore is this kind of character he meets who kind of helps snap him out of his mindset a little bit. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. That sounds like a fantastic premise because while we really enjoy rom-coms, there's there's definitely a point where you're like, wait a minute, this isn't real life. (laughs) It doesn't work this way sometimes or at all. Um, I just want to put that out there. That's not beyond me. Um, as we discuss and have fun with appreciating these for what they are. Um, So anyway, he's also the founder and director of Hit Record, an online collaborative production company, which I recommend everyone check out because it is very, very cool. And um, he is friends with uh, his co-star. Oh, David Krumholtz, yeah. Yeah, apparently the whole cast became super good friends like on the set of this movie. They all got along so well. They said it was like a summer camp. Like, it just makes me like, oh, I wish I was doing something like that when I was that age. Right. But yeah, David David Krumholtz is, uh, plays Michael, Cameron's friend. Um, and he's kind of the character in the movie that sets everything up. That's kind of the mastermind of the plan to, you know, get Patrick to date Kat so that Cameron can date Bianca. And it's not a character that exists in the play. 
So he provides a lot of the comic relief in the movie. And he's a really funny guy. Like I did not appreciate in 99, how many of the laughs in this movie were coming from David Crumholtz, but like watching it this time, I'm like, my God, that guy, (laughs) Yeah, he, he is, he is freaking funny. And he's, he's continued to do a lot of work. He's done um, several uh, highly regarded TV shows, the plot against America, the deuce, um, and he also, Firefly fans may recognize him from his role as Mr. Universe with the robot girlfriend in the movie Serenity. So you'll see him pop up here and there. Yeah. Yeah. And um, we have a couple other big stars that showed up. Allison, Janney. Oh, my gosh. From the West Wing. So this is pre, well, uh, West, yeah, West, pre-West West Wing. Wing. Yeah, it came out in September of 99. So this is mm-hmm. a little before. Um, Drop Dead Gorgeous. And came out later that year too. Yeah. yeah. Have you seen that? Drop to Gorgeous? No. Oh, you've got to see that. You have got to see Drop. It's got Kirsten Dunst is the star and it's right before she did um, Bring It On. Okay. And she's brilliant. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's so, it's about crazy beauty queens <laughs> or, or not crazy beauty queens. It's about a crazy teenage beauty, beauty pageant. And okay. it's hilarious. Okay. Yeah. And Allison Janney is hilarious in it. She's, she can do no wrong. Um, she's mm. terrific. Um, recently, she's done I, Tanya. Was she up for an Academy for that? Best Supporting? I, thought, I almost want to say she won, but I don't want to spread false information that I'm not 100% sure about. But she was at least nominated, yeah. And Bad Education. Yeah, I saw that recently. Very good. Very good film. Yeah, and then Gabrielle Union um, had acted a bit before this. Um, she plays Chastity, who's Bianca's best friend. And she was 26 when the movie was made, but she's acting as a high schooler with all these other high school kids. She did a really good job. I wouldn't have known. Yeah. And yeah, her breakout role would come the next year in Bring It On. So everyone knows her as the leader. It's the leader of the Clovers, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's the Toros and the Clovers. Yeah. <laughs> Bring It On. That's a good then- one. <laughs> There's a lot of other like you know great actors. We don't have time to go over all of them. There's Larissa Olenek plays Bianca. Larry Miller plays the father, Mr. Stratford. Andrew Keegan plays Joey Donner, the jerk. <laughs> Susan May Pratt um, plays Mandela, who is a cat's best friend who's obsessed with Shakespeare. And Daryl Mitchell, Daryl Mitchell plays Mr. Morgan, uh, one of the teachers in the movie. Okay, so let's get into a little bit about our characters. We're still in the spoiler-free section. Uh, so you have a little more time to enjoy us without seeing the movie. So, yeah, the opening of the film. I love this opening. What do you think? Yeah, me too. <laughs> I do. I'm like, wow, that's Seattle. I've never never been to Seattle. So um, I, I lived there for a brief period of time. But yeah, yeah. We'll talk about some sites later. But okay. I think it's masterful the way they ident- uh, introduce the characters so quickly. Yeah. Without t- yeah. yeah. You You go ahead. Go ahead. You tell. Well, you hear, you know, it's been one week or one week by Bare Naked Ladies, which was like, a, I, I heard that song everywhere at the time. It's yeah. been one week since you looked at me. My husband said he never heard that song. Like, what are you talking about? Whoa. <laughs> I guess he was too cool, but <laughs> but it was everywhere. <laughs> it was. And eventually the song shows up in this car of girls who are kind of these like preppy, like cute looking girls. Originally, I thought it was Bianca in the car. I guess I wasn't looking close enough. It was just a random girl. And then next to them, ruining their music vibe pulls up cat in her like what vintagey car yeah and she's playing bad reputation by joan jett and 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 they're kind of gl- glaring at her for interrupting their bare naked ladies and she's glaring at them for playing the bare naked ladies 
It's a whole a lot thing, of but it's glaring. Very, There's a whole yeah. lot of glaring. Everyone's got a, an attitude. I'm like, lighten it's up. It's like just a very <laughs> energetic introduction, I think. Yeah. And then very quickly, they're cycling you through the rest of the characters. Cameron, the new kid's arriving at school. He's meeting Michael. Like, they runs into Patrick in the, on the way to the guidance concert. It's a whole really seamless flow. Yeah. So in the movie, why do we think, why do people see Kat as a shrew, though, in this movie? Like, to me, it seems like, she seems like a normal person to me. I know. I'm like, she's cool. I want to be like her. I didn't want to be like the cutesy girl. But like, actually, one was. one quibble I have with this movie is I feel like Kat's set up as like the uncool girl and the shrew. But like Seattle at that time, everything Kat likes is basically what Seattle was known for and p- what people thought Seattle was cool for. Right? Yeah, I agree. Um, I wonder, though, I mean... You know, they do these like panoramas and these, you know, zoom in on their neighborhood. I'm like, wow, it is so pretty there. Well, it's actually in Tacoma, their neighborhood. Okay. And now tell me about that neighborhood. Was that where the grunge scene was happening? Or I mean, no. Upper class was kind of happening. Of course, of course not. But like, I mean, you remember youth culture at the time, though. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't have firsthand knowledge, but. Yeah, I just so why why do people think she's a true like basically her clothing? Yeah. Like she's wearing the what like the camo, the dark colors. She oh, she tears down the poster for uh prom. Like, that is obnoxious. Okay, that one I'll, I'll give you that. She's definitely <laughs> sure for doing that cuz somebody put hard work into that poster. I I hear that. I hear that. <laughs> Um, you know, she's not like the normal girls because she's not into all the quote unquote normal stuff that, you know, and she says that herself. She's like, I don't want to be what everyone expects me to be. Why should yeah. I do that? Why shouldn't I just be who I want to be? Um, yeah. And then like, she's a feminist. Like she's right. like one of the, one of the only teen rom-com characters I can recall who actually like at least of that era that goes around talking about the, the female authors like Simone de Beauvoir, yeah. uh, Sylvia Plath, Charlotte Bronte. Those are not any of my favorite female authors, but I was very similarly outspoken in class. I would speak up about things not being feminist. I guess I wasn't considered cool, but I also didn't live in Seattle. <laughs> are you saying our hometown wasn't the coolest? <laughs> of 5,000 yeah, well, some people. Come on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We have it has qualities like has a lake. Qualities. Yeah, yes. it has qualities, but like a grunge, a grunge scene and a feminist scene were not among its qualities at the time. No, not at all. <laughs> yeah, no. Okay, so we've got yeah, we've got Cat, and then we've got Bianca, and like, how is Bianca shown to be different in the movie? Like, I, I don't know about being different, but just as far as like, well, she's, then Cat, yeah, well, different yeah. than Cat. Um, no, she she is a popular girl and she's just very cute and does she talk about her Prada bag or something? Oh yeah, there's a difference between like and love. Oh yeah. Like I love I my- like my sketchers, but I love my Prada backpack. Like that's an example of her conversation with her friend. Yeah. <sighs> but yet Cameron falls in love with her. Right. Instantaneously. And so she's pure. And I'm like, what is that? What does he mean? Pure, like pure of heart, pure of beauty. I don't know. I'm like, okay. Yeah. And they do that thing that they do in some of those movies where they play the the, the music as soon as he sees her. Oh. Like the, the you know how they slow down sometimes the the walking even yeah, and yeah, they play yeah, the yeah, music yeah. over the girl walking. Yeah, they do that thing, which they parody and not another teen movie in a very hilarious way. Oh and, lovely. Um, 
<laughs> anyway, um, I lost my my train of thought on this. What oh, was I going to say? Go but ahead. I do like what you've got next about Michael and Cameron's bromance. Oh, like, yeah. The, just talking about how funny Michael is, the Michael character. And I was like, yeah, you know, they've got a great, they play off each other really well in their little, you know. Yeah, David Krumholtz and Joseph Gordon-Levitt are, every time they're on screen together, it's gold. Every time they're on screen with Heath Ledger, it's gold. Yeah. Their, their, their banter is funny. Like, yeah, Michael's introduces Cameron to all the different cliques at the school and shows him what's what it's a, it's pretty funny scene too. And let's see. So Michael also masterminds the plan. Like he comes up with the idea of duping Joey because we need a rich guy who's stupid and he finds Joey. Right. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Well, we need a backer. Somebody who's rich and stupid. Yeah. That was good. Yeah. And then like they go through this thing where they're going to select like a guy who's desperate enough to date cat which also to me seems absurd because whatever else cat is like however shrew as she is she hasn't broken a loot over anyone's head i guess she kicked a guy in the the balls oh right 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 yeah (laughs) but but she but like she's pretty like sure right they don't even put a pair of glasses on her (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh i really hate that trope oh she's so nerdy looking she's got some glasses on yes good point yeah. But yeah, she's not either like Bianca with her little barrettes in her hair and her mother's pearls and the little sundress either. So she wears the pearls later to prom. Yeah. And the pearls belong to her mother and their mother, Kat and Bianca's mother has like absconded somewhere. They right. don't really go into where, but right. it's not a dead mother. It's a mother who left. Right. We have like all these literary, oh man, these literary modernizations though are just rife with like missing moms. Like, right. <laughs> because I think because in, in you know, the older days, women would die, die in childbirth a lot. And so maybe that's why it's more common in literature. I don't know. Maybe people didn't like writing moms. <laughs> women just died more back in the day. They're like, I mean, they did. Women's they did. health. Yeah. It didn't, nobody cared. And <laughs> well, you know. They also just they didn't have advancements. So I know. I'm just I, I am well, I think I've said this before, like all the family holiday movies, there's a dead parent, a mom or a dad, all the yeah. time. And I'm watching this with my small daughter and she's like, What the they're dead? And I'm like, Yeah, it's just a movie. Don't worry. You know, you know what's worse? I'm currently writing a movie that also has a dead mom. It's but yeah. in my defense, my mom died. So <laughs> It's right. not funny, but no, right. That's different. That's different. Yeah. Damn it. Um, but I'm like adding to the problem. So, well, I've thought, I know I think about these quote unquote problems and I'm like, eh, they're great devices though. I mean, yeah. they're, but why is it like always the mom? Or it's probably because it's always the mom because the dad is like more hapless and less apt to be able to help the teenagers solve their problems. Sorry, dad. Some of you are not <laughs> hapless at all, but <laughs> I have but, commentary about that too later on and, and the dad portrayal yeah. and yeah. how I think. That- but moms sometimes end up doing a lot of the emotional work in in their families. So yeah, I think when you kill off the mom, it makes the teenagers have to be more self-sufficient at times. That's a theory anyway. A anyway, moving, moving on. Let's see why. So Michael and Cameron failed to get a bunch of kind of guys who are supposed to be losers to date Kat. So instead they go for Patrick Verona played by Heath Ledger. And the first time they're talking about picking him, he's like, they're in some kind of biology class. And he's like stabbing a frog with like a, a switchblade or something. Just, and Michael's like, we can't pick him. He's a criminal. And then they go into all these crazy rumors about him. Yeah. Like, 
And he's playing like, with fire in that scene too. Oh, I forgot about burner. that. He's like putting his hands through the flame. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's got this like friend who's like Mohawk God yes. and he gets to talk. Okay. Um, I have to appreciate that. Like Patrick has his, you know, his one buddy and, <laughs> and Kat has her one friend. And, and, you know, there's, you know, you find your, you find your people no matter yeah. where you are. But, like, Mohawk guy never got to talk, so he's just, like, Mohawk guy to me now. Yeah, totally. (laughs) (laughs) I think he was way more dangerous than Patrick. No, Mohawk guy smiles a lot, man. He's he's a friendly guy. (laughs) And he's, keep in mind, too, there's a classroom scene where, like, Kat and her teacher are arguing, and Mohawk guy's in the class, and Patrick's, like, coming in, says hi, leaves again. So Mohawk guy's serious about his education. Good job, Mohawk guy. This is probably the most anybody's talked about Mohawk guy on a podcast about this movie. It's important. <laughs> you put in a character. He has the he he did he did a, that that actor that guy he made a life for that role. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I want to find him. What was his motivation? <laughs> um, so now we're going to enter into the section of the podcast where spoilers are allowed so we'll be able to let loose a little bit more if you have not seen 10 things i hate about you it is currently streaming on disney plus i i unlike splash which apparently they altered parts of splash they have not altered 10 things i hate about you Thank shut goodness. the front door they altered things in splash <sighs> They gave her more CGI hair to cover her butt because God forbid we see a, a naked butt for like five seconds. <laughs> oh man, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, I'm really sad because I love that movie from when I'm a kid. And like, just, for sure. like, just mm, Americans, puritanical, meh. Anyway, so yeah, let's see. So we're going to start. We're going to start in our spoilers okay section. We're going to go through a little bit of like what happens in the story. And we may, you know, detail. We may uh, digress here and there, and yeah, we'll just see how it goes. So Patrick accepts the job from Joey to date Cat. Like he's after a kind of a financial negotiation, and I think the the end the end dollar amount to take Cat out ends up being like fifty. I think right. they agree on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. For, yeah. I mean, I couldn't even believe it. He's like twenty bucks. I'm like, that's it. Yeah, that was like the first offer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> whatever. Not even in 1999 was that enough. No, I know. You know, good God. So uh ends up being 50 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. And like they, at first he kind of completely fails to interest Kat. Like his intro to her is something like, hey girly or something like right. that. Yeah. <laughs> and, but then he gets help from uh, Cameron and Michael approach him and they said they're going to get inside info, which they get by spying around in Kate, Kat's room, which is terrible. I know. Yeah, they're like going through all her stuff with Bianca. Ridiculous. And but they get inside info. They tell her they tell him what kinds of band she likes. He shows up at what I can only assume is supposed to be. It seems like it's supposed to be a lesbian club. I don't know. Called Club Skunk. Because like everyone in there is a woman, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless the movie's saying that only women like Letters to Cleo, the band that's playing. (laughs) Right. Yeah, I wasn't sure what they were trying to do there. Yeah, they're not really, they don't really make it clear. But anyway, he goes to this, uh, you know, club night to see Letters to Cleo. And eventually he convinced her to, you know, go with him to what? Bogey Lowenstein's party. Bogey Lowenstein is like Michael's rival. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. The, the, the golfing future NBA nerds got a kick out of that. 
it was funny back then. When is he, there's Nigel with the Brie. Isn't that like a famous? I guess, yeah. yeah. That line didn't really appeal to me. So yeah, that line comes up like Bogie Lowenstein's trying to have just like a little get together for only MBAs, and Michael like f- like releases flyers into the school about a raging party that's going to be at Bogie Lowenstein's house. Yeah, and then he's like, "There's Nigel with the Brie," mm-hmm. and they do the stereotypical party scene thing where everybody pours into the the door so quickly that Bogie Lowenstein is overwhelmed. Yep. Like that, I've never been to a party like that in my life. Ever. I don't know. Maybe don't... they exist. <laughs> One of these days we have to get someone on this podcast who was like super popular in high school and we have to like quiz them. Mm. <laughs> I'll find out. Yeah, we have to I'll find ask out. around. I'll do some <laughs> find some do some investigating. So Bianca shows up at this party because Kat has agreed to go and her dad like has no choice now but to let Bianca out. Um, she's there to see Joey, but she kind of at the party realizes he's kind of a, a vain, kind of a loser because he just is obsessed with his male modeling. That's all he wants to talk about. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, Kat like is just kind of like, I don't know. She seems really distressed to be there and she starts drinking. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because she, you know, she's doesn't want her sister to get involved with Joey. It comes out later that, you know, Kat had a one night thing with Joey. Like they were dating and, you know, that's part of the thing that Kat is talking about. She's like, everybody was doing it. And this is when mom left and I figured I'll do it too. And so like all these things are happening. And then, you know, she realized it was a mistake and Joey got pissed and dumped her. And yeah. So it might, it's partly that Joey's pursuing her sister. I feel like it's partly just, she doesn't want to be at this party anyway, though. I don't know. Like, yeah. it's odd. Yeah. I mean, the whole scene of like yeah. everyone just being there because it was the place to be and blah, blah, blah. You know, she doesn't want any yeah. part of that. And I, yeah, sure. And so she starts drinking and then she ends up dancing on a table, which like, it's kind of like a guilty pleasure for me because I know you're not supposed to want this for her character, for her to be drunk and dancing on a table, but she is good at dancing on a table. I know. <laughs> Like, I guess part of the reason she got put in Save the Last Dance is because of this scene. So I I read that somewhere. So, yeah, she's good dancer. And so Patrick shows that he's not an asshole like his uh, original Shakespeare. uh, What's the word? Counterpart. Counterpart. Mm hmm by um, helping drunk cat instead of taking advantage of her. So he goes and he, you know, catches her when she falls off the table. Then he makes sure that she's okay. She doesn't have a concussion. He keeps her talking and then he drives her home. And then cat tries to kiss him and he rejects her. (laughs) And because, because she was drinking, but you know, what's interesting about this to me is like, there's another girl at the same party who's totally drunk out of her mind. And she tries to kiss Patrick She's like, kiss me. And then Patrick's like, kiss him and just shoves the, the drunk girl at some other guy. And I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. we're, we're going to worry about the, the drunk girl that we've actually taken to the party, but forget that one. That's funny. I mean, it is a really funny moment in the movie, but like, I just noticed, I'm like, huh? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That. I think drunk party girl is okay in the end. Like, yeah, she doesn't get taken to a back room, but you know. Yeah. I, Yes. Let's take care of all the drunk girls at the party, not just our date. Yes. That's our PSA for the day. <laughs> okay, let's see. Where are we? So then, well, then, so she is feels jilted and yeah. um, he tries to talk to her again. She's ignoring him and... Uh, oh, and then we come to the grand gesture. Grand gesture, yeah. Which we actually have a clip of. So you see Patrick paying off some guy in the hall. You see a microphone 
And then all of a sudden you see a football field and Patrick shows up in the bleachers and down below a cat is practicing soccer. And all of a sudden you hear this. You're just too good to be true. Can't take my eyes off of you. You'd be like heaven to touch. I want to hold you so much. At long last love has arrived. And I thank God I'm alive. You're just too good to be true. Can't take my eyes off of you. did not appreciate the band when I was younger watching this. And then when I watched it again recently, I was like, yay, marching band. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? That was a real marching band from a Tacoma high school. Um, not the one that they filmed at because that, that school didn't have a marching band, but a nearby school provided the marching band. That's and the guy funny. that you see Heath Ledger paying off is in that marching band. I love that. Isn't That's- it great? Yep. Yeah. And then Heath Ledger did his own singing, which you can probably tell. Yeah. But he's a good singer. Yeah, not bad. Way to go. Um, and I'll... Apparently, oh, sorry. Can I say one more thing? Yeah, sorry. go ahead. Yeah. Apparently, he also suggested the song. There were some other choices for the song originally that weren't so good, including I Touch Myself by the Divinals, which seems really random. <laughs> so, it's, so it's a good thing that Heath Ledger suggested this song. I guess the Lauren Hill cover of it had actually come out the year before. So that was really popular when that came out. Oh, I didn't. Gosh, I don't know that version at all. Oh, yeah. Um, good Miseducation of Lauryn Hill album. Really good album oh, altogether. Okay. Heath Ledger had so much, you know, input on that. And then, you know, he's being chased by um, the security. And he gives a little swat on the butt to one of them. I'm like, that <laughs> is hilarious. And I I'm, I'm, would bet that that was, you know, improvised on the moment. because that Yeah. Was, and I just appreciate that. That was funny. Yeah. And in this scene, like, I think this is like kind of the grand gesture in rom-coms to end all grand gestures. Like, I mean, when this movie came out, we were not yet in the era of people doing these ridiculous wedding proposals. Like, you know, they, they film on YouTube or whatever. Uh-huh. Like we were not in that time yet. And uh, maybe this is what caused that time. <laughs> <laughs> How can we top that one? You Thanks a lot. 10 things. No, but it's really, when you watch it, it's quite heartwarming. And this does enough to win cat over like mm-hmm. as, as it would. Yeah, well, he gets put in detention, and she gets him out of detention. Um, <laughs> so we talk about how? <laughs> uh, sure, she flashes her coach. Um, yeah, she's trying. She says she's trying to t- explain a soccer move that they're going to use, and yeah, the, what's the move? <laughs> oh, and what's the move? And she, yeah, lifts up her shirt. Eeks. And- that's one kind of, of the most one in, yeah one of a few in a pr- totally inappropriate things between a see for for me it's not I, I don't care so much about the inappropriate part I just don't think it's in character for her like and it oh. seems like so out of character that I don't even buy it if she's in love with someone like okay. I just seem weird right? okay. that's all that's yeah. all no that's a good 
It's a good if one. she was like a wild and crazy girl, like then sure. Or if she wasn't like, you know, into feminism, sure. But yeah. Uh, also, that's like the only teacher in the movie who really treats her decently, if you I, notice. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Anyway, so let's see. Oh, and then they go on this awesome date after she gets them out of detention. They're on Lake Union. Um, they're pedal boating. Pedal boating? I don't know. And then they go to Gasworks Park in Seattle, which does not really have paintball. But in this movie, it does. <laughs> and they like have an awesome paintball game with like a song I really like. And it's a great date, I think. Yeah, I agree. And man, Heath Ledger looks really good when he's got like a little bit of paintball residue on him and he's wearing a tank top. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I was totally sleeping on how hot Heath Ledger was in 1999. I was too involved with Ewan McGregor in my mind at the time. (laughs) And now I look back at it and I'm like, damn. You know, I still don't think he's, he's still not like. Not, not your thing. Yeah. Not my thing. Okay. Fair enough. Not, not like. I'm not throwing up or anything. I'm just, <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So, oh, so they're getting along fine. He, uh, Patrick and Kat are getting along really great. And then he asks her to prom. And the reason he asks her to prom is that Joey has made him an offer too good to refuse. At first he's trying to like say, I don't want your money anymore. I don't care. I like, I just care about the girl, whatever. But then he offers him what, what, like $300, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's too much. You can't pass it up. Yeah, so he asks her to prom, and she's like, what's in it for you? Mm-hmm. And he's like, nothing, nothing. It's like, you should get therapy. And it's like, there he's basically gaslighting her. So that's kind of one of his bad moments in the movie. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, because he knows very well that there's something in it for him. And yeah. this is his chance to come clean. Yeah. You know, I wonder, part of me wonders, like, did he take that money? Because, well, jumping ahead, I don't want to jump ahead to the end. You I can guess. jump ahead. You can jump well, ahead. Well, you know, he Where gets is- her the guitar. And yeah. and it dawned on me this time. I'm like, oh, he from the money. That's yeah. what he yeah. where he got it from. Like, was that yeah. his intention the whole time? Like, why don't no, you just take this? Don't money? So. You don't think so? Okay, just I wondering. So, well, we maybe you may. There's an argument to be made for it if you think so. I don't. Well, I don't know, but I mean, I realized yeah. later, like that's what that's how he got it for. Her. I think, like, I think he takes the money for himself at the time. And then, like, only by losing Cat again does he kind of realize that, like, you know, his priorities have been out of whack. Yeah. yeah and that he did actually did hurt someone. Anyway, let's see. To happier things. Well, to somewhat happier things. <laughs> so they do end up going to prom anyway. Yeah. And I think it's partly because Bianca really wants to go to prom. And she and her, Bianca and Cat have this really heartfelt conversation mm-hmm. where, as you mentioned before, um, Cat reveals to Bianca about how she dated Joey at one point. One point. But at this part, point, Bianca's not trying to go to... Oh, yeah, we totally left out about Bianca and Cameron. So at the party, at Bogey oh, Lowenstein's yeah. party, um, Bianca is over Joey. She gets a ride home with Cameron. Cameron's pissed at her because, like, he realizes she was kind of using him to, like, help her, you know, date Joey. Yeah. But then she kisses him. And so Cameron and Bianca are already together at this point, basically. Mm-hmm. And They're cute. Yeah, they are cute. I did not appreciate them in 1999 because Bianca was like a popular kind of girl and I was not popular in high school. And it took me a long time for me to be able to like the popular girl characters in movies as a result. <laughs> it did. It did. Uh, yeah. Anyway, Bianca and Cameron are going to prom together. Bianca has the cutest dress. It's like this really pink. It is the piece. cutest. I Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
my favorite. I think it's my favorite ever. teen rom com yeah. prom dress. Yeah, exactly. Yes, it's it's yeah. a it's like a two it's a two piece. It's a little top and the big floofy skirt. Yeah, and, and you dream, can dance in it. That skirt has pockets too. <laughs> it could. It's roomy enough. It does. Yeah. And Kat has like a less, like she has a good dress too, but it's like less like exciting to me. <laughs> anyway, they show up at prom. So Cameron and Bianca are at prom, Kat and Patrick go to prom. And then Mandela, Kat's friend who's obsessed with Shakespeare, has gotten this like dress, Shakespearean kind of dress in her locker with like a come to prom with me note written in Shakespearean English. Mm-hmm. And she arrives at the prom to discover that it is Michael dressed in a, a Renaissance costume that looks super <laughs> awkward in, in my opinion, but, <laughs> but it's a really nice gesture. Yeah. So, so everything seems together. good for one whole yeah. second. And, and then, then, and then, well, Bianca goes to the bathroom and in walks her friend. What's her friend's name? Chastity. Chastity. Gabrielle, Gabrielle Union's character. Yes. And you know, she, Bianca's like, what are you doing here? And she's like, Joey came and got me. And, reveals that the only reason he was going to take Bianca to prom was to nail her, as they like to say. And so off she runs, off Bianca runs. And as that's happening, Joey has approached uh, Cameron. Cameron? No, isn't it Patrick? No, I think he approaches Patrick first. first. Yeah, and he's like, okay. I paid you to like, I paid you so that I could take out Bianca, not so that guy could take out Bianca. Mm. And like, Kat hears this. Yeah. Yeah, and she is not pleased. Of course not. So they have yeah. their, you you lied to me. It was all about the thing. No, it's not. I care about you. And it's like tootle too late and she runs away. But yeah. in the meantime, how, now I can't remember. How does Joey and Cameron get into it? Well, Joey confronts Cameron too. Yeah. Okay. And like, and then he like, it might've happened first even. Yeah. I don't remember. It might it's be all a- kind of. But he's like, why are you here with her or something? I don't know. Your standard male right. fight thing. And then, or he calls her, I think he calls Bianca a bitch and that's too much for Cameron. Cameron's like, all right, now I've got to try to like punch you or something. But Cameron gets punched out. Mm-hmm. But then a pretty awesome touch. Yeah. Bianca comes wanted- in yeah. and she knocks one in Joey's face and she <laughs> goes, uh, what does she say? That's for making my date bleed. Hits yeah. him again, says that's for my sister and then knees him in the groin says, and that's for me. And yeah, he's down, he's down for the count. And you're like, that's right. Bianca, way to go. And then she gets to dance with her date and be happy. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> happy, happy time for her. And then, and then the next day, um, cat. I, I appreciate her dad at this point. Her dad come, you know, is. Oh yeah, you know I, we've not talked at all about the dad and like his weirdo. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll talk about him soon. I think we have a whole we have a whole section we can talk about him. Oh my yeah. gosh, we sure do. Huh? Okay, he's super overproductive. Yeah, and and Cat's been wanting to go to Lor- Sarah Lawrence College the whole time. Is one of her things, and he doesn't want her to go because it's far. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. So she said, and but he's like, you know, I've paid the two-ish. I've already put in a sent the money in, and so she's really excited. Yeah, they they have a moment where she realizes her dad's letting her go a little bit, letting her realizing she needs to have her own life, and she tells him how Bianca punched out Joey, and her dad's happy about that. Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, Bianca's off on a sailing date with Cameron. But like, we still have Cat and um, 
Kat and Patrick are still not together again. And we this comes together in one of the most famous scenes from the movie, which takes place at school. Uh, the teacher, Mr. Morgan, has assigned them to write a poem. Um, I don't remember what the sonnet it was based on was, but she she volunteers to read her poem. And Patrick's in class. He, he actually decided to stay in class today. Mm-hmm. And I have a clip of the poem so we can listen to it. I hate the way you talk to me and the way you cut your hair. I hate the way you drive my car. I hate it when you stare. I hate your big dumb combat boots and the way you read my mind. I hate you so much it makes me sick. It even makes me rhyme. I hate it. I hate the way you're always right. I hate it when you lie. I hate it when you make me laugh. Even worse when you make me cry. I hate it when you're not around and the fact that you didn't call. But mostly I hate the way I don't hate you. Not even close. Not even a little bit. Not even at all. Mm. <laughs> that was one take. Did you see that trivia about the movie? One no, take. They shot that no. Tell the and t- crying wasn't in the script. She just cried. Aww. And the director started crying. And I guess some of the crew started crying. Yeah. Like one take for that. That's that's fantastic. I love yeah. that. Anyway. Yes, I think I I think it's a it's a I when I was younger I didn't really appreciate that scene, but I think I appreciate it more now. Um I think I've always liked it. Had no deep feeling about it. It's it's um I think it makes me uncomfortable because it's so vulnerable. Yeah. And it's a little corny. It's a little corny. <laughs> Well, you I think know. when I was yeah, yeah. yeah when I was younger, I thought like she's the strong feminist. Why does she have to be the one to cry and have oh. this emotion? But like, I think later in life, I've accepted that like part of your power, you know, as a woman, is to be able to be vulnerable, is to be able to be truthful and show emotion. So I think I'm less judgmental of that now. Interesting. And knowing that it was the actor's choice makes it even more interesting to me too. Actually, to cry. So yeah. So obviously, he hears this poem and. <laughs> And he is like, I got to, you know, go to her. But he's already probably gone to her because there's a guitar sitting in her car. Right. (laughs) Right. Like that you alluded to that he had bought, which nice school where you don't have to worry about like somebody stealing a guitar out of an open window. (laughs) Right. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) Anyway, he gives her the guitar. They make up. A kiss, and she's like, "Don't think every time like you, you I, I'm mad at you. You can just buy me off." And he's like, "Well, there's always a drum and the bass, the amplifier." <laughs> he like kisses her again, and like, yeah, they kiss, and then it really iconic film ending um, where it. they sh- where they pan up to the roof of this really magnificent looking school that looks like a castle, and Letters to Cleo is playing music on the roof, yep. and apparently that was terrifying for the band. Oh, really? Well, it's probably yeah, windy I saw up back there. there. I saw behind the scenes. Yeah, it was windy and there's this just tiny guardrail. And like, yeah, I guess it was an expensive shot to do too. So they're sure. like, you have to do really well. Yeah. <laughs> but it's so iconic. Like it's one of the best beginnings of a rom-com I've seen and one of the best endings, like very energetic all the way through, in yeah. my opinion. What happened to Letters to Cleo? That's what I was thinking. I was never into thing. them, so I have no idea. But like, I was never into any of the bands that were in this, except a little bit Bare Naked Ladies. And I know like Semisonic's couple hits, but like, yeah. Were you were you into them or any of the bands? No. We can skip not- ahead and talk about the, mu- the music, actually. Really sure. Quick. Why don't we do that? Um, also, uh, the Sister Hazel song. What's it called? Winter. 
I'll be your winter or something like that. It happens when like they're all the girls are it's like the day before prom and Bianca's sad mm. and Kat's mm. looking at her through the window and Bianca's on the tire swing in a, in a very little girl outfit and very little girl scene. And that song is playing over it. Um, mm. Sister Hazel. I like that song. I would say that the songs in this film were on the radio a lot. I knew them, but I didn't know like albums and the whole band. I have a couple of Barney Good Lady CDs still from my my youth. But yeah, other than that, yeah. I really love my favorite song on this one is Fascinating New Thing, but it's actually called FNT, which I'm like, really? You had to like abbreviate your song to be called FNT? Come on. But I love that song. I was going to play a clip of it, but I don't want to like take up a lot of time. Just like look it up, you know, on YouTube. It's a really catchy song. It's in the paintball scene. And I played that all the time. I put it on a bunch of mixtapes when I was younger. I never had a semi-sonic album. I just knew a lot of computer geeks at school who would like download songs for me. <laughs> Off of, like, you know, Pirate Bay or something. I don't know. Ah, that's hilarious. Yeah, that's what you did back then. <laughs> Probably still now, actually. I didn't so, I didn't know anything about that. I was just taping off the radio. Only that too, sure. Yeah, I did that as well. But um, so one interesting thing we should not fail to mention is that two of the bands actually appear in the in the movie. Uh, Letters to Cleo, as we mentioned, shows up at both Club Skunk, the maybe lesbian bar, we don't know, and then on the roof later on. And they also show up at prom, but at prom you also have the band called Save Ferris. So it's a 90s throwback band, which is re- referencing an 80s throwback movie, <laughs> Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah, wild. It's a double throwback. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't under, ever understand the band at prom thing, though. I've never, like, why would you do that when, you like, DJs, you can play lots of different kinds of music for different kinds of people? I don't know. Maybe yeah. I'm maybe No, I'm I don't crazy. have a clue. I do, do bands have, do proms have bands? I really just always thought it was a DJ. Some places, maybe. You know, the one thing I have noticed, too, though, after watching this movie is, like, it's almost always romantic comedies where bands show up in the movie, like, and play a song. Huh. Like you don't see that really much in a horror movie. You wouldn't see, you, you hear, of course there's music on the soundtrack, but like you watch a horror movie, you watch like a regular comedy, you watch a drama, you're not seeing so much of that. So rom-coms are actually a really good showcase for bands, especially bands for teenagers, younger people. I'm just like, you know, scrolling in my brain. Like, let me think. I think you're right. Um, I mean, it could be wrong. If you, if you, listeners, if you have, can prove me wrong on this or have a contrary opinion, please let us know. Yeah, have but some information. At sure. Feedback at everyromcom.com. Yeah. But yeah, that's one thing I noticed. I'm like, huh, kind of a good showcase for bands. Okay. So another thing that, that we, we would be remiss not to mention is the Seattle locations. Mm-hmm. And I lived in Seattle for a very brief period. I lived in Seattle for six months, but I also lived in the Pacific Northwest for many years. So I would I had occasion to visit Seattle. This film was shot entirely on location in Seattle and Tacoma. And originally it was going to be set in LA or filmed in LA, but like, then they're like, we don't really want to be compared to clueless. Mm. And what sealed the deal for going to Seattle Tacoma was they found stadium high school, which is the high school that you see in the movie. Mm. It's in Tacoma. And it was originally built as a luxury hotel in the 1800s. It is one of the most magnificent locations in any, any genre movie I've seen. Like it looks like a castle. Yeah. Like I'm like, why don't I go to real life? No, I never actually, if, I, if I'd been thinking I would have gone to visit it, but no, I've never actually visited it. I haven't visited most of the locations, actually, but I know of them. 
sure. But yeah, like this high school is just so cool. Um, it's almost worth seeing the movie just for that. And in 2019, they had a 20th anniversary screening of 10 Things I Hate About You on the football field from the movie. Uh, right? Right? <laughs> and also in Tacoma is the Stratford House. Um, so yeah, that would be, it is a very expensive neighborhood. Yeah. And it was then, is now. <laughs> yeah. The opening of the film, I have been to the scene. So when they open the film on the view of Seattle, the skyline, that's a place called Cary Park in the Queen Anne neighborhood. Queen Anne is also a pretty ritzy neighborhood, but my uncle and his husband used to live there. And so I've actually been right at that viewpoint. I've taken pictures from there. Lovely. Did very, you do the Space pretty. Needle? What's that? Did you do the Space Needle thing? Oh, have I been to the Space Needle? Mm-hmm. Yes, I've been. It's, it's kind of a ripoff, actually, to go to the top of the Space Needle. I don't recommend it. It's cool to walk around by the Space Needle, but... The best views you can get are if you go on the ferry. Oh, no, I can't remember the island. So there's a bunch of ferries in in, in in Seattle that you can take, and they take you to little nearby islands. Really good views from those and much cheaper. Okay. And you get to go to another place, too. And then also there's a water tower you used to be able to go up in on the Capitol Hill neighborhood. Okay. And you can see if you go and climb up in that water tower, you can also get a good view for free. So, ah. yeah. Insider tip, info. I love that. Yeah, and the only other tip is that, like, if you are going to do the Space Needle, like, I guess they give you a free admission if you eat at their restaurant, which is not supposedly great, but, like, you know, if you want to <laughs> save a little money. <laughs> That's fine. Anyway, so they don't really use, like, those typical locations as much, but they use, like, Lake Union pedal boats, which you can take. They go on that date where they go on mm-hmm. a pedal boat. Fair That's enough. still a thing you can do. Really pretty lakes in Seattle, in addition to the Puget Sound. And then the Gasworks Park you can go to. There's no paintball. I did try to go there. Okay. When I lived in Seattle, I'm like, we should go like and play paintball at that park where you can do that. And then I was really disappointed to find out you couldn't. <laughs> it's basically just, it's like, it's like a nice green space and they'll have festivals there and stuff. And there's like a children's play area, whatever, but like no paintball. And um, I never went to the Fremont Troll, but that's really easy to get to. It's um, under the Aurora Bridge. And interesting detail about this, the troll, it looks like a big troll under a bridge and he's holding like a, a Volkswagen Beetle in his hand, like he's caught it from the bridge above. So okay. it's a really cool piece of public art. It was commissioned and made in 1989. And that shows up. It's shown up in a couple other rom-coms too. And their prom is a, a combination of the Paramount Theater and the Century Ballroom. Okay. And there were a bunch of other stores too, but they've all like either relocated or closed yeah. since the movie. Cause it was a while ago. Yeah. I mean, yeah. But anyway, yeah, Seattle, I love Seattle. This movie made me want to go back and visit so badly. Although obviously it's not an optimal time to be visiting right. <laughs> at the moment, but yeah, hopefully you get back there. Any other Seattle qu- questions or thoughts? Should we talk about the dad? The dad. Okay. So <laughs> this is this has become quote unquote a problem for me watching these teen movies from when I was a teen or a young adult to now that I'm a little bit older and I have a child. I see more of the parents <laughs> than I'm like, oh yeah, that 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 dad's right. That mom, yeah, listen to that yeah. mom. Damn it. And I'm just I don't have a kid, but same with teachers. I identified with the principal or the teacher in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure last time I watched it. Okay. Okay. Improve your history project. (laughs) Right. So I actually, you know, 
I laughed pretty much every time the dad was like, that means you won't date. Ooh, I like that. Or like, you know, because I, I do think like that. Like, I think like, um, okay. So when our daughter starts driving, I'm totally putting a tracker on her phone and I'm going to know where she's at every damn minute and make sure she's, <laughs> cause I'm just, I'm crazy that way. But like, so he's a, what he's an OBGYN. He delivers yeah. babies all the time. So like I just feel like now with parents and I, especially dads I feel like do a better job of like that would have been a perfect opportunity for him to talk about birth control and like how not mm-hmm. to get STDs versus like you're not leaving the house ever and like do you know what I mean? Like yeah. A, just a better calmer way to talk about I don't about know if dads it. have changed or not because it's really hard for me to know like I, I'm, I just, I'm not a parent and yeah. I don't know that with parents but maybe you have insight into well, like just do you think like, the culture around yeah. changed? I, I think so I do think so I think like the parenting books now are so much about like you know especially for feelings <laughs> you know and like the developmental state of like your your child's brain from like birth to five and like what is happening, what they comprehend, like what they don't. And so like how to communicate versus like, you know, sit down, stop crying. Do you know what I mean? So now my husband is already very sensitive to feelings and emotions and um, makes space for those things. Like for everybody, it's his job, definitely for our child. So like, I'm not worried about him at all. Like I, he's, he's a great dad. So, but like dads now like paint their, you know, let their daughters paint their nails and are like, Oh, I'm going to look weird at the office. Like, you know, <laughs> they're, they're fun jewelry that they make. Greg wears that stuff. And, you know, he'll wear a bracelet that she made out of beads and yeah. they do so like, hair what? now. Like they're, they're just, you know, there's no shame in doing like these sensitive things for your daughter in public my main issue though with the dad isn't so much like whether he's sensitive or not like or you know I actually wouldn't have wanted my dad to paint nails to me I didn't paint nails either so but like but it's more the paternalistic kind of like controlling of his daughter's sexuality like not being willing to accept that his daughters are growing up that they'll need to practice dating you know what I mean right 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 that they, they need a little practice going out and making their own decisions. Like Bianca even tells Kat, like, I want to make my own mistakes or I want to figure things out for myself. Like even Kat is kind of being protective of Bianca that way, but their dad is doing it to both of them. Doesn't want his daughter going, you know, across the country to school. Right. Doesn't want them dating. So like, that is more what I'm wondering, has that changed? Like, like, and like, yes. I mean, you're part of, you're putting I... tracker on, on your daughter possibly too. <laughs> so is that just like an, is that just an eternal parent thing? Like, is that just like kind of wired in there in some way or I don't know. Uh, I mean, the track, the tracker app. <laughs> um, but that that's just me. And it, well, is that me as like a person or me as a mom? Well, I mean, I was definitely mother hen throughout college. Mm. We'd go out mm. and I'd be like, I got eyes on the exit, making sure everybody who's really, you know, don't get too wasted. And as soon as <laughs> I see like, that guy, you know, I was just keep your eyes open, girls. Watch your drinks. That's just me. 
Yeah. So you, do you identify with the dad on that level then? Like I do, but like you've got to rein that in because, right, you do yeah. want your child to make mistakes and fail yeah. and, and be free. You know, you, what's, yeah. there's schools that, like you raise them to be good humans and like yeah, my smart parents, adults. <laughs> my parents uh, got surprised because they, they weren't very overprotective of me going out because I was a big nerd and I was unpopular and they didn't expect me to date. And then, <laughs> And then one night, and I didn't really have an official curfew. And then one night I come home at 4 a.m. And I've been out with a guy and they're like, oh, <laughs> totally surprised them. We had a, we had some difficult times for a while. We didn't grow up religious, so I didn't really have any expectations about my sexuality should be controlled. But like, uh, yeah, apparently there were unspoken expectations I was not aware of. <laughs> Don't be out till four. That's hilarious. Well, no, no, that wasn't, they had gave me no curfew. Oh, yeah, I don't that's know. good times. But there yeah, was well, a city curfew. Until- Come on, man. I, whatever. Oh, my God. <laughs> Do you remember the city curfew? <laughs> no, I don't, actually. I was completely unaware of that. <laughs> anyway, um, what like what is it about the father that you like and what is it that you don't like then, kind of in some? I mean, I think he's just really funny. I think he plays a f- like his his anxiety about his daughter's, daughter's safety is yeah. kind of hilarious because I kind of identify with well, but like it is very much a picture of like, well, don't, don't do that. Like, of course you're going to have your parental anxieties, but like you've, you, the more you try to control, the more you're going to lose them. Like, yeah, you gotta, you gotta let them go like constantly. And I think they gave him a really good character arc, which is nice. Like yeah. they, he did, he did learn during the course of the movie. So yeah, they really didn't drop that thread. And I appreciate that. I liked his little speech about, don't, I know about those Dawson River kids and each other's. <laughs> oh, the speech that's meant to make him seem really out of touch with the, the pop culture of that time. Yeah. Which kids today would be like, I don't understand this either. Right. They're not going to know Dawson's Creek. That's- yeah. And definitely not Dawson's River. <laughs> no. That's funny. So do you want to say more about the dad before I nope, go on my done. mini rant? So I, so Sophia thinks about the, the parent characters. I think about the teacher characters because I've worked as a teacher for a number of years and um, not currently, but I was in teacher in Korea and I took a master's degree in teaching. So when I see these teachers in these high school movies, it drives me crazy because most of them suck. Like so far out of the ones we've done that are high school rom-coms, only Mr. Hall and Ms. Geist did I like from Clueless. And even them, they like, then they start getting romantically involved and they stop giving homework. And I'm like, come on. (laughs) So this movie, like, one thing I wanted to talk about was Mr. Morgan, and I'm going to play a clip really quick. Okay, then. What did everyone think of The Sun Also Rises? I loved it. He's so romantic. Romantic? Hemingway? He was an abusive alcoholic misogynist who squandered half his life hanging around Picasso trying to nail his leftovers. As opposed to a bitter, self-righteous hag who has no friends? (laughs) (laughs) Pipe down, Chachi! I guess in this society, being male and an asshole makes you worthy of our time. What about Sylvia Plath or Charlotte Bronte or Simone de Beauvoir? What did I miss? The oppressive patriarchal values that dictate our education. Good. Hey, hey! I'm Mr. Morgan. Is there any chance we could get Kat to take her mitol before she comes to class? <laughs> Someday you're going to get bitch slapped, and I'm not going to do a thing to stop it. And Kat, I want to thank you for your point of view. I know how difficult it must be for you to overcome all those years of upper middle class suburban oppression. Must be tough. 
But the next time you storm the PTA, crusading for better lunch meat or whatever it is you white girls complain about, ask them why they can't buy a book written by a black man. That's, That's right, right, Mom. Mom. Don't even get me started on you two. Nope. 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 Anything else? Yeah, go to the office. You're pissing me off. What? Mr. Morgan. Later. So yeah, this scene, on the one hand, it's good that in 1999, as early as 1999, they're making a point that like your concerns as a teen feminist with like an upper middle class background, Mm -hmm. like, you know, maybe they aren't as significant as some other people's struggles. Like, you know, there's no black literature in our English class. However, it bothers me because even in the scene, you kind of notice what happens is that like Kat gets thrown out of class for making a feminist point, but you still got Joey Donner in the class who is the first person who made it personal, who started talking about her saying she needs to take her Midol, she's a hag, whatever. Uh-huh. He's still there. The the Probably the arguably the most privileged person in the class still has got his butt in the class, mm-hmm. but Kat gets sent to the office and that bothered me. Really awesome interaction would have been if like the teacher kind of used it as an educational moment without punishing her. I know it's a romantic comedy. I know it's just kind of meant to like be funny and like demonstrate that like Kat's a pain in the ass or whatever. But like, honestly, she is making a good point. People do need to read more books by women. Ask like your average guy, like who his favorite 10 female authors are. See if he can name 10. Hmm. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. Very rarely do you find a guy who can make it to 10. Can I even make it to 10? I probably could. But I definitely can because my mom was a feminist. I was raised feminist. I read her bookshelves and like it was I considered a priority. I very much identify with Kat on that level, even if we don't have the same taste in literature. (laughs) (laughs) I would have been like, we need to read some Edith Wharton. Like, but um, Ugh, besides Edith Ethan Frome, besides Ethan Frome, <laughs> but um, but like, Just I think it's, it's really the short important. one. That's why they put it in there. It's the yeah, ex- exactly. <laughs> but I think like it's very important to acknowledge like intersectionality. It's very important to acknowledge like that white feminism, like whatever you, however you want to define that, isn't the end all be all. But it's also very important to like remember that women actually are oppressed. Like she's been groped in the lunchroom at her school. She's got people, you know, using pejoratives, her like sexist pejoratives against her. It's like, it's, it's, we we have a long way to go. Women, the sexual assault rates for women, we don't even, yeah. Most of you listening probably don't need us to go on about this, but shit's still bad. We haven't solved it yet. (laughs) We just got our first, you know, woman in the executive (sighs) branch, for God's sakes. Yeah. So that that's my one, you know, quibble with that scene. And also as a teacher, you don't insult your students. You don't call them chachi. You don't like make little funny names. Like you send them to the office or don't tell them what the consequences is. I know I'm taking it too seriously, but this is like rampant. And then she gets sent to the guidance counselor and the guidance counselor says she's known as a heinous bitch. Like this is her, you know, like contribution. Oh, we haven't even talked about the weird guidance counselor yet. Do you want to, do you want to talk about her? her <laughs> Alice uh, and Janney's character. Uh, Miss Perky, who, yeah. um, I don't, I don't know what she's doing there. Like, cause she insults <laughs> all the kids and like, just yeah. does not like them at all. She's no. there writing her, her trashy romance novel. Very and trashy. She, in that and the, very trashy. And then, in the opening credits when Cameron is in her office, like trying to get, you know, Hey, I'm the new kid here. They have a shot of him. And in the background is a bookshelf and being a romance reader. Um, I'm like, those are all romance novels back there. They're love focused, but I, it's her, it's her genre that she reads yeah. and writes about. Yeah. She really wants to be a romance novelist, but she's keeping this guidance counselor gig because it pays the bills basically. <laughs> 
So, like, except for her coach, Kat's coach, the teacher authority people of school seem to have zero interest in, like, nurturing these children. <laughs> I mean, um, and I'll, I w- I'll say this for Mr. Morgan, though. He does he does have a somewhat realistic English class for a movie. Like, he is giving them d- assignments that one would consider reasonable okay. in an English class for high schoolers. And the, when he reads the sonnet, you know, uh-huh. like it's really good. It's like engaging. So I, he is an engaging teacher, but it's just like all these movies make them all the teachers so unprofessional. And even her coach, Mr. Chapin, is like confiscating the weed and then the Cheetos, like with the <laughs> implication that he's going to go smoke it and eat the Cheetos. Right. Like, I wonder what, what is the point? I mean, I guess because I mean, that's funny. funny. <laughs> like, are those just funny? Like, oh, that funny guidance counselor and that funny teacher. I like, mean, it is a comedy, we... so we need comedy. But yeah, like right. I, that that one didn't bother me because it was like funny. And he was still portrayed as like a good teacher who was supportive to his students and trying to keep discipline, etc. But yeah, when they make teachers look like a bunch of like, you know, kind of jerks or like they're not teaching good lessons. So I'll give Mr. Morgan like some points for being a good, like good lesson plans, whatever, but points off for insulting people and sending the feminist to class while Joey Donner gets to hang out. <laughs> Breach. Let me ask you, I want, I want to find the film that portrays teachers like realistically, not like buffoons in rom-coms and not like those specific like teachers that change the world films where it's oh, that one that comes in and like, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Blah, blah. So Where's that film? Is it in your film that you're writing? There's not a lot of teachers in the film that I'm writing, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I actually do think the teacher in Bill and Ted's as much as they show of him is I like his demeanor and his dignity. (laughs) So if you go back and watch Bill and Ted's excellent adventure for that good teacher, he clearly cares. He cares about the students too, but there's, there's probably other, Oh, I guess dead poet society is kind of the magical teacher genre. And also a teacher wouldn't really behave like that. So. There you go. Okay. But but he's still good. He's interesting. So yeah. I want people yeah. to write I'll in. Think on it. I want people I'll to write in oh, yeah. and tell yeah. tell us, have you seen that film? Yeah. Where it's is a, it in a film, film with a good teacher yeah. representing teachers well. So let's see. We've talked about Oh, I've got one. Sorry. October Sky. All right. With the Jake Gyllenhaal? Yep. Yep. Okay. There's cool. a there's a oh, I haven't seen it, so uh, I'll check it out. You know, it's a small part, but she she just she encourages Homer and 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 that's nice. <laughs> so there's one. There you go. So I think we've covered a lot of things, but we haven't talked about um, our favorite scenes yet. So let's just each we'll do a couple of our favorite scenes. What what do you got off the top of your head? I I like I like the club scene. I like the prom scene because I don't know club maybe, skunk. Club skunk. I just I, because maybe I miss dancing. <laughs> Yeah, I just go somewhere and like loud music that maybe make my ears bleed and just dance and have a good time. Like, and I don't know. I mean, she's there, especially at Club Skunk. She's with her her friend. Yeah, and I'm like that's what I used. I did that once or twice. Go with my girlfriends <laughs> and just that's dance. Right. And I also really like the moment that she comes out of the music store and she's got her album. And and what's his name? Patrick is leaning on her car or whatever. But like, I miss like music stores and I miss going yeah. and buying an album. So one of my favorite scenes is the paintball sequence. And I think it's mostly because like, I love uh, the semi-sonic song FNT. Fascinating new thing. And I just think it's a great date. Like they're going pedal boating, then they're going paintballing. They're, they have such good chemistry in that scene, actually. And like, I like they make out at one point in the scene and it's so realistic. Like, it's like, 
a lot of teen movies won't have characters making out that much anymore because I don't know, it's like too sexy, but it's just the right amount, in my opinion. I love it. And another favorite of mine is anytime you get the Gordon Levitt, Krumholtz, Ledger scenes. Those three guys together, hilarious, especially the one where um, they're they're going to this bar and they're telling Patrick what kind of guys Kat likes. And then Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character, Cameron, is like, but there's a problem. She likes pretty guys. And there's this pause and Heath Ledger's looking at them and he's like, are you saying I'm not a pretty guy? That's right. Really <laughs> and they're like, oh, you're really pretty. You're so, we just, we were just checking. And it's like, it's just the, the comedy in that scene is hilarious. Those three are so funny together. Any more favorites for you? Or Oh, I like the bloopers at the end. The outtakes over the oh, credits. Yeah. yeah, another movie. Is there a favorite blooper or just all of them together? All of them, all of them, all of them. Yeah, that's pretty. It. I like when movies do that. It's yeah. fun. But if you're watching on Disney Plus, you have to like fight them to prevent from watching another movie right away. I hate it when streaming sites do that where they're like, you didn't really yeah. want to watch the credits. We're going to make you watch this other thing. <laughs> yeah. And don't they all do it? Not yeah. all of them now. Like Prime doesn't do that. Yeah, oh. Criterion doesn't do that. Okay, yeah. fine. Two. The Char- ones that Char- I have Char- Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus, they do it. So Yeah. Yeah. Don't do it, streaming services. Don't do it. And then let's see. Yeah, that's I think that's it for fav- favorite scenes then, basically. Yep. And then anything, any other like random things before we start doing our final topics? Oh, I didn't like, you know, I talked about how the I don't like the negative talk around periods and I don't like the, the, the name calling in regards to like mental health. I'm like, what the hell? (laughs) Like those are things, those are, those are the specific reasons I don't want my daughter. I don't want her to hear those words. Mm -hmm. as like name call, you know, because yucko man. Do you you really think like, I'm like, this is an honest question. And this is a good question for our listeners too, because you might have a wider range of experiences among our listening crew. Are these words actually though, not being used in schools or is it just like, we're cleaning them out of movies? Like that's like, that's a, that cause to me, like, like I was saying, like, I feel it's like definitely in 99, it was expressing realism. Okay. So I don't, I don't know so much in schools actually. I mean, my, my, my daughter's still young. I really don't feel like I've heard much in the way of name calling. Hmm. With those. Maybe they've done more with bullying at, at your daughter's school or just maybe schools in general. I don't know. I really do think they try to do that like big time. I think that's just a, a different thing than what we had in schools. So the, the name calling though, like we kind of disagree on it, I guess, but like for me, it doesn't ever bother me. Um, as long as you're not meant to sympathize with the people who are calling the names, like that matters a great deal. Like when you have characters you're meant to sympathize with using offensive language, that can be a problem for me. But if the characters that are using the offensive language are people you're not even supposed to like, you know, then I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Because that's, I got called all kinds of names, like starting in maybe the third grade. And that was my life. And like, it's actually soothing to me to see my reality reflected in a movie. Mm. And um, also a lot of, okay, I know that a lot of people, with mental illness and mental illness organizations are very serious about not using crazy as a pejorative, but like as a person with a mental illness, it doesn't personally bother me. I know it does bother a lot of people. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Well, like I I feel like crazy has also that particular word has such a range of meaning at this point, like from like Steve Martin's like wild and crazy guys to just like kind of a, like a benign, like an event that you don't expect to happen kind of a situation. Like, Mm-hmm. crazy astral phenomenon or something so like but yeah definitely 
I can say that for the word crazy, fine. Um, But I didn't like, is she mental? And um, yeah. Yeah. But all the person who says all those words is Bianca. And we do, we are supposed to like Bianca, aren't we? Not at first, I don't think. But I think at first you're not supposed to necessarily like Bianca. I think like at the beginning of the movie, like she has to go through a journey of realizing like how she used Cameron, realizing how she didn't understand her sister, realizing that her priorities have been out of whack. Mm -hmm. So like towards the end of the film, you don't see her using that language and you see the sisters come together. Anyway, that's just a thought. We we it's and it's cool to disagree on these things. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not like totally disagreeing. I'm just um, saying how it how it hit me this time. You yeah, know. Yeah. So, oh, one more PSA for this podcast: black underwear does not mean somebody wants to have sex. In the movie, they are looking through cat stuff and they find a pair of black underwear, and it's like that means she wants to have sex someday. That was ridiculous. It's yeah. Like, like, it's like. Uh, you have a female anatomy. Yes. You, you know, that females have a period, you know, once a month or so, like yeah, that's right. a good color. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. So um, let's see really quick. The couple of things that we do in every podcast first, what do you think would happen to these main character romances? Like, do you think Kat and Patrick would have a future? Uh, no, might go on for a while, but. No, because she's going away to school. You know, we have no idea what he wants to do. I concur. I think they're like, they'll get, they'll stay together for the rest of high school and through the summer and then maybe try to do it long distance and probably won't work out. Okay. Bianca and Cameron. I don't know. What do you think? You go first. (laughs) I think they'll make it through high school. I think the same thing will happen. One of they'll go to different colleges and like, it'll be kaput. That's the thing. If you go away to college, man, it's, it's hard. That makes sense. What about you? For them? Yeah. And then we've got Mandela and Michael, the couple that just kind of randomly got put together. <laughs> uh, I don't know. There you go. Because it just was like, what? They might be the ones to like go to the same college. Really? Okay. I don't know. I'm just trying to. Yeah. I really have zero opinion on those two. <laughs> but why not? I think she would still continue to be too obsessed with Shakespeare and not give in to Michael's almost irresistible charms. And <laughs> after after a few weeks or months, it would fizzle because he would get tired of wearing Renaissance shirts. <laughs> Ruffles and such. Yeah. And yeah like, <laughs> gonna find another girl. Yeah. Oh, before we finish, we also should talk about the 10 things I hate about you show briefly, if you have any thoughts on it or how many episodes you watched or how it's the same or different, whatever you want to say. Uh, same dad actor is the same. Um, this time they have the mom has died, not left. It's also a few years later. I think it was like 2003. Did I say 2004 or something like know. that? So even from 99 to 2004, like um, – is vernacular the right word changes and stuff like that the patrick character hasn't said much in three episodes and has really shown to like not have any substance he's hot and that's like it so i'm wondering thus far and he's pretty much an asshole so far as Mm -hmm. well like he's always got a different girl around and it's really wondering why cat has any interest other than he's he's got great abs so i'm like that's that's weird so I don't know that I care enough to find out if he gets better, but it's kind of interesting just to, yeah, you know, from the movie to then and 
Because we didn't really talk about it much, but Patrick in the movie, like you learn a few layers about him that like he was taking care of his sick grandfather in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Yes. (laughs) And that's when, that's why he was gone for a year. Like those rumors weren't true. And like, he seems to have connections with people who are, who work in clubs in Seattle and he's got his Mohawk friend and like, you know, he's got a a little bit of fleshing out there. Yeah. Yeah. And, And he talks to Cameron at the party too. You know, when when um, oh, yeah. uh, Kat's drunk and he's trying to take care of her and Cameron's like, I got to talk to you. And and he's like, Cameron, you you know, Joey will never be half the man you are. So if you like Bianca, tell her. And if she doesn't want you, then move on. And you're like, that was that was really nice. Yeah. <laughs> That's I like that, that he you know, I think he's sure of himself in that kind of way. And. That's exciting. That's nice. You know, but the TV show, just no, nothing doing there. Huh? No, three yeah. episodes. And you're like, give me something. Cause she's already liking him. Cause the cat characters are already like into him, like, you know? Ugh, well, are you going to continue watching it? Or do you think you've given up on it? I don't know. It's a nice half hour. It's good for like when I'm, you know, doing a run on the treadmill. So right. I might, right. cause it's harmless. I'm not like so invested uh-huh. in it, you know? Yeah. So we'll see. So let's do um, our last thing that we do in each episode, which is what are what would we recommend as a double feature? And like, I'll do one, you'll do one, and we'll see what we, we, we might agree on some, we might not. So my first double feature is kind of an odd choice, maybe, but like, it's another movie that's set in Seattle, and it was made in 96. It features Reese Witherspoon and Mark Wahlberg, and it is not a rom-com. It is a thriller. Um where Mark Wahlberg's character is obsessed with Reese Witherspoon. It's got another overprotective father character, and it's called Fear. It was released in 1996. <sighs> it's really quite an entertaining movie. Um, it gives you a little bit of that Seattle vibe, too. Oh, it's also got Alyssa Milano, too. Okay. And, um, yeah, kind of scary at parts. Yeah, so if you don't like scary movies, it might not be for you. No. But, um, yeah, but it's. I think it just gives you a similar sense of the time and the place but just with a totally different tone. So that's my first choice. I chose Can't Hardly Wait. I don't remember if it was like the year after or before or whatever, then Ted Things, but the same kind of, you know, big teen high school party and, you know, a slew of characters at this right. It just has that young teenage yeah. at a party vibe. And I love that one. Yeah. I enjoy that one too. Mm-hmm. We should cover it sometime. And then another double feature I would possibly do would be to watch the other um, one of the other Shakespeare modernizations Julia Stiles was in, which is O based on Othello. Like, I actually don't remember the movie that well, but like, I just think it would be a neat combo to do two Shakespeare's back to back set in high school. Mm -hmm. Uh, My other high school has never been kissed. Another kind of prom. Have you seen that one? I have, but I don't like it that much, but, but I'm interested to why, why you put it together. Yeah. I guess just another of that, like, there's just another prom thing. happening. Okay. Um, Any more on that one? Well, and there's, you know, definitely chose those clicks, kind of the nerdy mm-hmm. mathy science people and the popular kids. And I, I don't know. Why didn't you like it? Because it's, you know, this girl who was kind of ridiculed no, in school and she finds her. I thought she was ridiculous. Like I'm very, I'm very picky about my teenage outcasts. Okay. What'd you think about the other outcasts though? 
like the other nerds. I don't even remember them. But I think like one thing that some of these movies do with outcasts is they make they make them over exaggeratedly nerdy. Or okay. just like or just like so like they care so much about the popular kids. And that was not something that I didn't care like about like I didn't yeah. try to suck up. I didn't try to fit in. So I cat is much more my jam. Like because she doesn't care. Got it. <laughs> I honestly picked it just because there's a whole prom thing going on and popular kids and and fashion, fashion and whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, my other next pick would be to watch another early Heath Ledger movie, A Knight's Tale. And I remember liking it at the time. I confess I have not seen it since, but it was really nice to see the early Heath Ledger. Yeah. I mean, his later movies are amazing. Don't get me wrong. Like I like I said, I watched Brokeback Mountain again, and it was like, ah. But I would not do it as a double feature because it should just be watched on its own mm-hmm. and appreciated for what it is, and it's a totally different tone. Well, my Heath Ledger fave is The Lords of Dogtown, so I talked about that earlier. The skateboarders, and I'm definitely going to see it. Yeah, because you recommended it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I go ahead. You want to do oh, and then my last my last double feature pick would be Save the Last Dance, which is another Julia Stiles uh, movie of the era, and she does a lot of dancing in that movie. And yeah, I, I really liked that one at the time. Like, I suspect that there's parts of it that wouldn't age well per se, but like, mm-hmm. I would like to just watch some more dancing. I like dancing in movies. I love dancing too. Um, but my fave Julia Stiles is The Prince and Me, as I've said before, which we need to, which we will. At some future point, discuss. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right I on. I think you will like it. I've seen it. I watched it already. Okay. Oh, what yeah, did you think? Yeah. Well, I'm not going to tell about it right now. Oh, okay, fine, 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 fine. All right. <laughs> to show to know. Later. Know. Yeah, I, I tell you now, no show later. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also put a few um, 99 films, Mansfield okay. Park, October Sky, and The Virgin Suicides. That's amazing that The Virgin Suicide also came out that year. Wow. Yes. So Hmm. not, uh, I mean, Mansfield Park is romantic, not a comedy. October Sky is just a lovely story. Lovely based on a true story. The Virgin Suicides was just wild. It's good. Early Sofia Coppola. Early so Her first, right? Maybe. I don't know. I think. Anyway, so those are our uh, double feature recommendations. And if you have any other ideas about double features, please feel free to email us at feedback at everyromcom.com. You can also email us with suggestions, questions, whatever. Okay. And um, you can always find the podcast at everyromcom.com, as well as a blog, which I've just started putting some entries up on. And let's see, uh, next week we will be again doing She's the Man. So stay tuned for that. And thank you for listening. Goodbye. Bye.